Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Now, what do I mean by familiarity with the truth? Most of us, we know the Word of God. We're learning the Word of God. Now, a lot of us have not been through Hebrews before, but if I said John 3, 16, oh, I know that. And when we take communion, we know that. I ask you a question, that is God, you go, oh yeah, we know that, Scripture says that. So we become familiar with the truth. And the danger is, we become familiar with the key principle of the truth, not the application of the truth. You've probably heard of stories about couples who, after many years of marriage, decide to divorce. Their reasoning, they say, is that they've drifted apart. This is a sad condition to find oneself in, in addition to not being how God intended marriage to progress. Pastor Mark's teaching today will show a parallel of this decaying marriage to your potentially decaying relationship with Jesus. You'll find out that a similar end is possible, too, a divorce of sorts with a vastly greater and terrible outcome than that of the couple. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 2 as he continues his message, Warning, Don't Drift. The last breath of Stephen transferred him immediately to heaven. That was the miracle. He didn't have a miracle that kept him here. Now, the warning is, don't drift. It's the end of the service. Have a nice week. Dave's ready. He's had it. It's very good because we see the warning. But what do I do about the warning? By the way, anybody here think you're subject to drifting spiritually? Good. Hopefully most of you are raising your hands. Those of you who are not have already drifted. Because <laughs> you're deceived, correct? So let me give you some ways, and I think this will be very helpful to all of us. I'm going to give you, well, I'll try to get through five. We'll see how I do. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Here's number one. How do I keep from drifting? Well, number one, we keep our eyes on Jesus. He's better than anything or anyone else. You know, when we ordain Pastor Ken, certainly we ordain him through Calvary Chapel, but we ordained him to the ministry of God. Way bigger than Calvary Chapel. Give me a break. And so the key to us is Jesus. Hebrews is about one truth. Jesus is better. Notice Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witness, let's throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles. You can even put it in your mind and think about that, which will help me from drifting. 
And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. He's the author, the perfecter of our faith. So if I fix my eyes on Jesus, if I keep him in perspective, then he's my anchor. He's what keeps me moving in the right direction. I won't begin to drift away into uselessness if I understand that everything that we do is focused on Jesus Christ. This church is focused on Jesus Christ. If you're a Christ follower, you should be focused on Jesus Christ. Paul said it like this twice. 1 Corinthians 2.2 2. For I decided to concentrate only on Jesus Christ and his death on the cross. That's who he concentrated on. He kept his eyes on Jesus. See, if you keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter, if I keep my eyes on Jesus, I'm not going to drift. If I keep my eyes on a church, I may drift. If I keep my eyes on a program, I may drift. Even if I keep my eyes on you, I might drift. Because Paul, remember what Paul said? You follow me only as I follow Christ. I was reading today, I won't mention his name, a man that had an incredible church and a few years ago really went off the deep end. I mean, I could mention his name, but I won't. He was well-known. Incredible, incredible church. Gifted person. He got off doctrinally. So much so, it was on the CNN deal today. He now, of course, has lost his church, the building, everything he had because he's a heretic. He's totally off the wall. And he says, now, I believe that homosexuals can come to the church, can be part of the church, can practice with us because God loves them and he loves everybody else. doesn't matter who they are. They can have whatever lifestyle they want. They can come because God loves them. This is a man who was evangelical. And he's lost it all. Now, how did that happen? It just didn't one morning you get up like that and go like that. He kept his eyes off Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of the faith. He put his eyes on himself. He became bigger than Jesus. He's lost it all. His reasoning for the logic that I just gave you, his closest friend in the ministry told him that he was homosexual and he said, then it has to be okay. Amazing logic. So keep our eyes on Jesus. 1 Corinthians 3.11 For no one can lay any other foundation than that which is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. See, What were the Hebrews struggling with? It wasn't Jesus plus something, Old Testament rules, regulations, ritual, law. It was simply Jesus alone, the way, the truth, and the life. Number two, keep a sensitive heart, teachable and open to correction. You know why I give you that one? Because in Hebrews, the writer of the Hebrews says the same thing. Listen to it in Hebrews 3.8. Do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert. You see, a hard heart 
moves me away from God. A hard heart just means I'm no longer sensitive to the things of God. Worship becomes routine. Tears and genuine emotion become absent from our spiritual walk with God. The individual I just mentioned, I can't tell you how many people in the ministry went to him over the years and tried to correct him. He refused all correction. Wasn't teachable. Wasn't open. Hardened heart. Apostatize away from God. Number three. Keep being transformed by the word, not just informed. Turn with me quickly to Deuteronomy, Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Let me put up a couple verses. Understand what we're doing. We are learning the word of God. But it's not for information. It's for transformation. The health of a church is not known because the pastor teaches expositionally. We believe that. We believe that's the way to teach the Bible. But that's not the health of a church. The health of a church isn't that I go through all the Bible in X number of years and start over and do it again. That's exactly what we're going to do. The health of a church comes as the people are not informed, but transformed. The health of a church is not how many people are here on the weekend. Not if people are in ministry, in small groups. That's all part of it. But the bottom line is, are we being transformed into Christ-like people? So, in Deuteronomy, that transforming came in the home. We've lost that in our homes. Notice Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel... The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. It's always a heart thing. Notice, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk on the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. Every area of our life is supposed to be transformed by the truth of God's word. And that's what becomes real. Pay more careful attention has the idea of not only hearing, but doing what we've heard. Being transformed. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. John 8, 31, 32 says this, To the Jews who believed him, Jesus said, If you hold, the original word means abide, abide in the vine, if you have a relationship, if you hold to my teaching, If you do my teaching, if you practice my teaching, if you live my teaching, then you are my disciples. You're my real followers. If I'm a real follower, what kind of life then do I live? I don't have to listen to the lies of Satan. I don't entertain those. When the temptations come, we learned last week, because of the word of God, gives me a promise that he'll make a way of escape. 
So my mind is renewed. When the enemy comes with something, I say, I don't accept that. And because I don't accept that, I go back to what I do accept, which is the truth. And what does that end in? Look at the last part of this verse. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's how we're set free. We're set free because I know God's will for me is good. And nothing's going to come between God and I that is going to destroy it. You can go to Colossians chapter 1. I'll get there in a moment. Let me talk about something that's along with this transformation and information. As I was studying this last week, it's such a huge warning sign. Here it is. Familiarity with the truth. Let me read you what Hughes says. It is natural for us to come to regard the familiar as commonplace. Now, what do I mean by familiarity with the truth? Most of us, we know the Word of God. We're learning the Word of God. Now, a lot of us have not been through Hebrews before, but if I said John 3.16, oh, I know that. And when we take communion, we know that. I ask you to question that, is God here? Oh, yeah, we know that. Scripture says that. So we become familiar with the truth. And the danger is we become familiar with the key principle of the truth, not the application of the truth. Listen to Hughes again. It is natural for us to come to regard the familiar as commonplace. Listen to this illustration. Your first tour to London, England will leave you dazzled. Parliament, the British Museum, Covenant Garden, the Savoy. But will it be so on your 20th time to England? The initial venture into the mysteries of Christ will leave us exhilarated. But with repeated journeys, some become bored tourists. Granted, some might find joy in the familiarity with the mysteries of Christ, but familiarity has both danger and its reward. It depends on us. Could it be that we've lost the wonder of the powerful Word of God? Just because we know a passage or a verse or could quote it, have we eliminated God speaking a fresh word to us from it? That's a huge challenge to me. Jeremiah says this, Your words are what sustain me. They bring me great joy and my heart's delight. For I bear your name, O Lord God Almighty. Number four, keep growing in our maturity. This one you've heard before. Commit to be a growing follower of Jesus. Commit has to be there. There has to be a commitment. And you know, in our country, commitments are pretty weak in our society. What does a person have to do in a boat to start drifting? Answer, nothing. The next statement you want to write is the answer that I just gave you. A person doesn't have to do anything to simply drift away spiritually. You just do what you've always done. And pretty soon, we look back and go, whoa, what happened? There was no commitment. There was no acknowledgement of the danger of the currents that are constantly trying to take us away 
from God. They're real. They're out there every single day. Now, Colossians chapter 1, look down to verse 28. If you're ever going to be a pastor, this is, I've written in my Bible, this is the goal of every single pastor that God ever ordained. Here it is. We proclaim, notice, circle the word, him. It's Christ-centered again. Everything a pastor does comes off the centrality of Jesus Christ. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom. What is the goal of a pastor? So that we may present our special close friends in the church. No, our goal is so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. Or the real word means mature in Christ. So a pastor's work, in that sense, is never done. Because the goal is for every single one of you. When you stand at the judgment, God says, well done. Every one of you. Good and faithful, sir. You've grown. You've matured. You've been useful to me. That's the goal of a pastor. We lay our lives down for you. So that you will grow and mature and not drift. Not just that you'll slide into heaven. Some people will do that. We don't make people do things. I'm not responsible for your action after I share with you my love and my concern. But those people that get it are growing. Notice what he says. That we may present not just some, but everyone mature in Christ. To this end, every pastor in this church labors, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. So, what does it mean to be a growing follower of Jesus Christ? Let me show you two things really quickly. You're familiar with them. Remember, this is our logo. I want to remind you that the center of the logo is Christ. We're committing to be a growing follower of Christ. Everything starts with Christ. Everything. You can't start anywhere else. It all starts to Christ. It's the focus. And you're going to continue to hear these five C's. Can I say to you something very simple? How can you not drift? There's your answer. This is how you don't drift. These are not just like little slogans we added to our webpage. These are biblical principles. I've taught on them twice in the last year. This will not go away. You will continue to be challenged with it. Because everything we do here comes out of these deals. It all starts with Christ. And then we want to commit to be a growing follower. We want to celebrate. If you're growing, you're excited. Because God's pruning you, doing good stuff. Next. Connect. How do you not drift? You get in a small group. If you're in a small group, somebody's going to challenge you. See, and if you're here and not in a small group, there's no one to challenge you. Four, communicate. How do you not drift? When you communicate to a lost person, what's it do? It reminds you where you came from. Hallelujah. What God's done for you. I mean, how it's priceless. And number five, contribute. 
Here's another sign of a healthy church. You know why we typically don't have too much trouble with divisions and all kinds of stuff in this church? Because the core people are busy. You're active. And when I'm active, how much time do I have to think about? I don't have much time to whine because I'm what? I'm up to here in spiritual alligators. That's a good thing, isn't it? It's a great thing. And so understand, these aren't going away. Here's what I'm hoping. You understand how they apply to this church and to you. Because out of this is the maturity. This is how you get involved. This is how you grow. This is how you do not drift in this church. They're all scriptural. Now, here's number five. Last one, quick. Number five simply says, keep being filled with the Spirit. How do I not drift? I'm filled with the Spirit. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. You know, the word filled in the original language has this idea of a wind filling the sail of a ship. And if that wind fills the sail of the ship, what does the ship do? It doesn't drift at what? It goes forward. Do you understand? Do you feel the wind in your face? Do you see this ship? Is this ship, as you're looking at this incredible sailboat, is it drifting? It's going where? It's going forward. And when it goes forward, you feel the wind in your face. That's because you're spirit-filled. God's in you. That's the goal, to be spirit-filled. And if I'm filled with the Spirit, I'm not filled with Mark Balmer. Not only does my wife love that, but you love it. Last verse. Guys, if you understand the writer of the Hebrews, it was a pastor's heart that shared those first verses. This wasn't a lecture. This was a pastor's heart. This is the verse God gave me to close with. And when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Spend time with Jesus. Spend time in the Word with Jesus. Be excited about Jesus. Don't take it lightly. Understand his warnings. He's the greater. Jesus is better. Everything flows from that. He's given us the Holy Spirit to fill us. He's at the right hand of the Father interceding for you. You just keep your eyes on Jesus. People will know you've been around him. It'll change your life. You won't drift. And you'll feel the wind the Holy Spirit in your face. In today's teaching, Pastor Mark talked about the fact that every Christ follower could drift from their faith. You heard that God's given you tools to help you keep that drifting from happening. Pastor Mark told you that some of the things to do are to keep your eyes on Jesus, study the Word of God, and to allow the Word of God to transform you, not to just inform you. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. You'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. 
Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Well, this winds up Pastor Mark's teaching, Warning, Don't Drift. Next time, he'll begin a brand new message called Jesus Present Ministry. Maybe you thought that all Jesus was supposed to do was to come to earth, teach about God and himself, and die for your sins. You'll learn that Jesus has been busy since he went back to heaven and what his current work has to do with you. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. in a hurry.